0: Contest of Champions, episode number 48, Invisible Woman vs. Professor X. Uh. Comic book fans, as we get closer and closer, and and we might already be here at the finals, uh, here in season number two of the Contest of Champions Live, it is on this comic book podcast that you can hear the latest comic book news, reviews, and of course, talk about who beats who in a superhero fight. This is the... 28th fight of Season 2 and the 48th episode under our belts since we have gone live, and we want to thank everybody out there for downloading the podcast and helping make this the best comic book podcast on the internet with all your great questions and participation.
1: Good, and Jeff, didn't you say, were you mentioning something about this being like the 50th episode or something?
0: This actually is. It's It's really... It's it. I think this might be the fifty-first episode. Uh, and it, because, is that is that
1: because you include the drafts?
0: No, because well, no, because I was including the point one episodes that we did, oh. like Scott Snyder,
2: Rob Liefeld. I yeah, think. yeah,
0: and there was a couple of other ones that we did too. Uh, so we've actually hit the fifty the fiftieth mark already. So
2: oh, okay, it. We know with Marvel numbering just doesn't it. Okay, this is number fifty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: This is is fight number 500. We'll just just give it a random number. Yeah,
0: sure. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. You can only reboot it, right?
1: (laughs) It's it's because I'm I'm talking to the boys. Can you hear them? (laughs) (laughs)
0: This this episode is brought to you by Moosehead Beer, the Canadian lager, proudly independent since 1867.
1: Do you like beer, Swiper? Yeah, yeah. So he says, why are you talking to those guys?
0: <laughs> and, and that's the question you've been asking yourself for about five years now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> are you going to bed now? All right, have a kiss. Uh,
3: and <laughs> A tender father-daughter moment. That was a father-son
0: moment. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah, way to, go, way to go there, dude. <laughs> I am so losing this fight. <laughs>
4: <laughs> at least his, even his daughter. You have a daughter, right, Ian? Two. Two, yeah. At least at least both your daughters know where, when the appropriate time to wear a toque is.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, they got me there.
0: <laughs> uh...
1: All right. So, so hey, you hate you. That insulting my family, you liar. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Honest mistake, dude. I, I am so sorry. The kid's and name was it. Sawyer. I love, it. I love and he's, I he's, it.
0: The kid's name is Sawyer, and he said his name. <laughs> I didn't you, hear all and that. You still called him a girl. I, <laughs> the kid is scarred. He's crying right now. I can't he hear him. He's bawling.
1: You should see him. He's bawling. You've never seen him more upset, <laughs> two year old in your life.
0: He's too tough to,
3: to for that, I'm
1: sure. <laughs> All right, so I am the Canadian Cape Killer, and with me, as always, is the uh the tobogga ri- toboggan <laughs> riding, toboggan wearing <laughs> <proper> clergyman.
0: <laughs> that toboggan wearing, yes. <laughs> oh God, that's good.
1: I'm so glad you told me that story.
0: <laughs> 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 oh God. This is a great right. episode already, I can tell.
2: Jeff you Jeff, you need to post a picture of you wearing your toboggan <laughs> at, at during a sermon next Sunday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might post one of me tonight wearing a toboggan, but <laughs>
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and balance the big wood one on my head and get somebody to take a picture <laughs> of it. Freaking me out.
2: <laughs> that's great. Ga <laughs> get, get toboggan like the like uh uh what what's the name of the what that movie? Uh gosh, uh is Cool uh, Running. Yeah, Cool Running. Oh no no no, it's Rick Moranis, uh the the gosh what I forgot I suddenly blanked on name when I tried to say it. Uh
0: Honey I drunk, drunk the kids.
2: No no. No, no no, it's Rick Moranis, but it's a Canadian Ghostbusters. movie. It, Ghostbusters.
0: Uh, Canadian bacon.
2: No, Canadian bacon's awesome, but that's not it. Uh I'll have to I'll, I'll come back with it honey
0: it we shrunk ourselves
2: sorry no it was um, it, it, he was it's like he was it's like two Canadian brothers who uh, drank nothing but moose heads oh and... Strange Brew Strange Brew yeah yeah that's it Strange Brew that's <laughs> what I was thinking of
1: that's like a good movie
2: yeah so so we need to uh will post pictures uh, doing our best uh, best uh, Strange Brew impressions
1: hey, hey Tom in that movie uh, do you remember the movie like do you remember the parts of it
2: I saw it 20, 20 years ago. I, I I don't remember much of it. I just remember When it they send
1: time. when they go and they send that dog, do you remember the dog and he's flying and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, the dog crashes in on uh, Oktoberfest and they steal a big beer truck and they go to Oktoberfest? That's, that's my hometown. That's Kitchener. They go to Kitchener.
0: Nice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to rent that movie now.
1: Kitchener is full
0: of hosers, eh?
1: Yeah, that's Canadian to the – that's like <laughs> – That's the most uh, accurate portrayal of Canadians I've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, where were we? Um, Joining us this week is uh, Mac247, I mean, Eli Anthony. All
3: right, we're even. We're even now.
1: (laughs) And uh, his opponent, the ever-knowledgeable and uh, ever-so-seaworthy Tom McNeely. And uh, our guest with us tonight, um, who's decided to jump on and have some fun with us too is Dan Brianne how are you guys all doing tonight (laughs) great
4: (laughs) silent awesome
1: good um there's not much I didn't put much in the in the world of news this week if you guys got something you want to throw in free um yeah
4: amazing spider-man is ending boo well it's just
0: it's not really ending it's still ending it's just it's just renumbering. It's it numbers don't mean anything anymore. Still, I sent hate mail. Yeah. Well, well, I I don't blame you. That does kind of suck.
1: Um, the one that I was going to talk about was, and I was kind of hoping that Tom and uh, and Eli would have something to say about it, is that the new fifty-two announced that a magnificent seven, um. A new Magnificent Seven with their their new upcoming team book called uh, titled Team Seven. The team is a re, is a response to Superman. And again, if I see something wrong here, you guys jump in because I don't read I don't read action comics, so I, I might be messing this up. Um, the team is a response to Superman making his presence known in the DC universe in action comics. Um, the team's made up of Diana, Kurt, Lance, Slade Wilson, Alex Fairchild, Amanda Waller, Cole Cash, John Higgins, and Summer Reyes. Uh, James Bronson and John Lynch. Now, I have no idea who half those characters are, um, but if the team is a government response to countering Superman, I, I'm interested. Uh, I thought it was an interesting concept. You guys heard anything about this book or have did, any insight? I, didn't it already come out?
0: did not anything about it. Didn't, it. didn't Issue Zero already come out?
1: Oh, I, didn't, I don't know. Did it? I didn't think it did.
0: I don't know. <laughs> What's the name of
2: the book again? I'm sorry. I had to break away for a second. Team, team seven.
1: Team seven.
2: Oh yeah, um, that's uh, Team Seven was out of, uh, wild, it's out of the old image uh, uh, launch, um, but and so yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's more wildstorming of uh, DC Universe, um, but I haven't uh, I haven't seen much on it yet, uh, so I don't I know much more than that
1: about it. Mm. I thought that I thought Eli would be. Interested in it because you're you're a Slade Wilson fan, aren't you, like?
3: Yeah, but I I I don't know anything about it really.
1: Well, oh, and if uh-huh.
3: if if I and the Magnificent Seven, that's never something I've been interested in. I may have seen that and just pass it over. Um, yeah. But uh, but now if I knew it? Slade what's was in it, it? I, I would I would have checked it out.
1: What do they mean by a response to the Superman coming coming out? Like like what's uh, what's happened that I missed? It's Superman so game like here. Or-
3: Perhaps, uh, uh, perhaps they uh, they've just decided to, to to tell a story that that happened a year ago. I don't know. Because uh, hasn't it's, it's, he hasn't he been on the scene for a while now? With the, in the new fifty-two. Well, that's what I thought. Yes, yeah, that's, like what, five I, that's what
2: I thought. So, Action Comics and, and at least the first issues of Justice League were set five years in the past. Everything else, is current. So Superman's current Action Comics is set like five or so years ago.
1: Huh. Okay, maybe that's the worst. Oh,
4: apparently there's a tornado. Rian,
1: okay, did you fall? Hey Dan, did you fall down?
4: No. <laughs>
1: did you? There's a big crash.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't know who that was. Tom. Have was... you fallen and you can't get up? <laughs> The the banging was me. I was, I was trying to wedge some ice out of the freezer, so that was that was me. I, it turns out I, I, my neighbor just called me. I've got to go perform marine rescues, so I'm trying to get ready to uh, to head on. I have to uh, go back on the lake now, so I'll have to I'm gonna have to go remote in a minute. Then.
1: Oh,
0: how interesting.
2: Yeah, so you guys will get the live play to bug play as I go out rescuing my rescue my friend.
3: Wow, well, that's. I, I think that'll be that? the first uh, the first coc recording from uh, on the water. Yeah, and uh, you're, what is
2: that? Mean? The first I international recording. The text uh, we were, I was late that time. Doesn't but, your uh, friend have a paddle or something? <laughs> well, <it's> also like, <laughs> he's also like six or seven miles away, so. <laughs>
4: <laughs> do some hey,
2: great, what, uh, what does, does that mean?
1: Does that Tom? Does that just mean that he ran out of gas or something, or what does that mean? What's that? The, the, so like, to... What is Marine? Did he just I'm run like, out of gas or something?
2: i got to re rig my boat and uh, and go out and tow him back.
4: What do you need the ice for?
2: For something to drink on the way.
3: <laughs> Priorities, people.
2: All right. exactly. Exactly. You can tell they <laughs> mean. Right now, are you going to take a half mm. hour to get out
4: to him. I take a moment, uh, and, and Sorry, I'm late in picking you up. I had to grab some beer on the way.
0: That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. All right. You're up, Jeff. Oh, yeah, sorry. So are you going to do the previously part?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Previously on COC.
0: Last week, uh, we saw Emma Frost managed by Eli Anthony versus Professor Xavier managed by Tom McNeely in Hell's Kitchen, in the Hell's Kitchen, as the script says. Um, Eli went straight to the diamond form debate, and Tom countered that, uh, that, that really that Frost needed to be able to locate him, which would require her telepathy. So, to recap all that fantastic back and forth fighting. Check out comicattack.former.com and look at the forum labeled COC if you're so inclined. You can even listen to the live draft or past episodes 1 through 27 in these very same forums. So the poll <laughs> is uh, Emma Frost winning pretty decisively in this, in this forum uh, at, at 63% of the votes. Uh, to Professor Xavier's thirty-eight percent, and uh, so they were pretty convinced, or at least uh, all of Eli and his friends were convinced that um, that uh, uh, <laughs> that um, that Emma Frost could take this fight. So, how do you how do you want to do this, Ian?
1: Uh, I think doesn't matter should,
0: me. I think you should actually go first. Because I was very, I inf- yeah, because I was really influenced by your, by your, well, go ahead.
1: Okay. How do I sound to you? Am I cutting off? Because you're really cutting off for me.
0: Oh, no, you're good, man.
1: Yep. Yeah, okay.
0: Yep, you sound great.
1: Um. All right, so for me, with this fight, um, you know, I thought about it long and hard, and Listen to what everybody had to say about it. A lot of good points were brought up. Um I think that uh Mac is it Mac twenty four seven, am I saying it right? Mm-hmm. I, I think he I think he downplayed Professor Xavier's uh abilities in the forum a bit and um my my guess is that he did that it was more strategic is why he did that. Um I don't I don't know if I don't know what his comic background is so I'm not hundred percent sure so I don't I don't some of the stuff that he kind of left out i I'm'm I'm assuming I'm guessing that he did that it was more tactical like it was more strategic um, so here's just the way that I see this fight going down I think I think that if if we're in a room or uh, an arena or you know some kind of a space where Professor Xavier had nowhere to go and was just, you know, left with Emma Frost, um, I think he'd be in a world of trouble. Uh, I think Emma Frost would go to her diamond form instantly, you know, telepathy no longer works, and then it's hand-to-hand, a diamond, you know, built Emma Frost versus Charles Xavier. And, uh, and Charles Xavier, she would just make pulp of him. Um, I think in Hell's Kitchen it, it plays out a little bit differently than that. Though I don't, I don't see this as a an open arena or a closed room. Um, instead, it's a place that has many nooks and crannies, many apartments, and uh, you know, you have uh, you have the, you know, the, one of the world's premier telepaths needs a place to hide. Is the way that I see it, it needs a place to get it out of plain sight, um, and he can either use people's eyes, people's minds, whatever to to see where to go. Or he could actually use his phlepti to influence people to allow him in, you know what I mean, into their place or whatever. Um, so I think the first thing that that Xavier would probably do is he'd probably hide. He'd probably get, get out of there. Um, he's he's no fool. You know, he's not going to try and hand-to-hand fight a diamond form with Emma. Um, and so what I was saying to Jeff before the podcast was that I see this going two ways with Emma. Um, she either goes straight to diamond, recognizing that, you know, that's her best bet against Xavier instead of trying to take him on head to head telepathy wise um, and if she, as soon as she goes straight to diamond then she's no longer has her her telepathy so what is she then she's a you know she's a, a diamond woman walking around hell's kitchen you know feet to ground eyes trying to find Xavier um, and I don't think that that's going to help her um Eventually, I think what she's going to have to do is she's going to have to go. I, I think that Emma Frost is going to become frustrated with this strategy. I think this is going to be her strategy. I believe this is what she'll do. But I think it won't take long for her to become kind of pissed with the whole. Be bored with it, um, the diamond thing, and her dropping the diamond thing, going back to her, you know, her human mutant form, um, and you trying to use her telepathy to locate Charles Xavier. And for me, I think that's the. I think that's a tragic flaw. I think that's a. I think that's a fatal mistake for. Um, for Emma to do that. Um, I do not believe that Emma can compete with Charles Xavier through telepathy. Um, You know, I I, I don't think he could shut her down instantly, but I don't think that she can, I don't think she could go toe to toe with him. And, And it's not like, I don't believe her power is set up in a way where she could go diamond and then telepathy and then the diamond again, like within the matter of like one second to the next, one second to the next. I don't believe it's that easy. Um, in the sense of using that telepathy, you know, well enough to locate Charles Xavier and stop him. Um, You know, the only other scenario, I try to think as many scenarios as I can. The only other scenario I could think of would be, you know, being too proud to go to her diamond form and saying, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go after him in the astral plane, let's say, or, you know, just through, you know, purely through telepathy. Um, And again, I don't think that's a, that's a good choice for her. Um, so, yeah, as much as – and I don't know why I, I, I hate to vote against Emma. I'm not really sure. It's probably because I like her character a lot more than I like Xavier's character. Uh, I really don't like saying what I'm going to say next at all. It makes me feel kind of sick to my stomach, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm really not sure because why. because
0: you've been drinking think... since noon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you know what it is. It's because we're getting to the, the end of end of this competition, and these kind of decisions now are – I think they mean more. I know technically, realistically, they don't, but they kind of mean more than they did earlier on, you know, even though those ones are just as vital. It's sort of it starts to become really real right now. Um, but with that being said, I, I have to vote Xavier. I don't think that, I don't think that Emma can, uh, I don't think she can use her diamond form to get him. Um, you know, I, I think he's too smart. I don't think he's going to just jump out in the middle of the street. You know what I mean? Like, uh, he's too smart for that. He's He's, He's a forget telepathy aside. This is one of the also one of the most brilliant people on the planet. You know, he's not he's no fool. Um, yeah. Mm, all
0: right. Well, um, so it's down to me, huh? This has been this really has this one is one of the most difficult fights, I think. Um, now it's interesting that it played out that Emma lost her Phoenix powers because I do think that if. She had the Phoenix powers. I, you know, I think it would be no contest, and it wouldn't have been a very good fight. But I'm kind of glad it ended up the way that it did because uh, I think it makes it a little more even. Um, so the way that I see this kind of happening is Emma goes immediately to Diamond Form, and and Eli is is dead on correct. They, when when she goes to Diamond Form, there is nothing uh, Xavier can do to her. So. But these guys are on opposite sides of 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 the playing field, and I guess you could say that they could walk around and try to find each other. I do think that Xavier has a little bit of an upper hand, no matter what, tele uh, with his telepathy, because he can use the the bodies of of other people to um, to track her. So not even not even Doing anything to her, um, he can he can sit in a you know a coffee shop on one end of are there coffee shops in Hell's Kitchen I don't know but uh, but he could sit in a coffee shop on one end and really just sit there and concentrate um, knowing that she will have to come to him rather than rather than vice versa um, but also knowing that you know he cannot penetrate her diamond form I mean there's nothing he can do. Um, and also, he's going to know that if she gets to him physically, then he, then he's, he's a dead man, you know? And so he's going to do everything he can uh, to, to be able to track her as she's, as she's coming across um, Hell's Kitchen. Emma's greatest asset in this fight is also her greatest weakness, and that is her diamond form. So while she is in diamond form, um, and she's invulnerable to, to Charles' tele, uh, telepathic attacks, she there's no way for her to track him at all. There's no way. And so she is stuck, kind of wandering around, uh, and Hell's Kitchen is a big place with a lot of of people. He could be anywhere and sure you could say she would spend all of her time you know just wandering around looking for him in her diamond form and so when I was thinking of these scenarios I thought well here we are we really are at a stalemate. The stalemate is Xavier can't do anything against her diamond form But she can't do anything without her, I mean, to attack him without her telepathy. She can't even find him without her telepathy. And um, because Xavier is not, I mean, he knows that he is not going to be able to best her hand to hand. So he's not going to come and look for her. He's not going to come out in the open. He is going to hide. Okay? So in the end, after you know doing some really thinking and studying and looking at everything that everybody posted on on the forums, um, it really came down to the fact that I think that it's more plausible that Emma would get uh, antsy and and she would get um, she would get cocky and she would say, you know what, I can't find him any other way. I'm going to use my my other great asset now. Now I will not downplay and say that that Emma Frost is not a powerful telepath. I think she is immensely powerful. Even back in the day when she was in the Hellfire Club, she was touted as being uh, Xavier's equal at, uh, in those days. Um, and and you could argue that that even her telepathy on uh, up to this point has been has been really uh has only increased uh because of her her level of experience and and all of that but the minute that she goes to to telepathic form and it, it Xavier spots her fine because he's been tracking her this this whole time anyway the minute that if that happens she they go at it on the astral plane and and it is not a uh i mean this is like a hardcore mind to mind all out battle um and in, in the end, when it's put on the astral plane like that, to me, while it's a hard fight, I don't think there's any. Uh, I don't think there's a. This is a quick one at all. I think this is equal to Shadow King and Xavier going at it. Uh, I think Xavier pulls out the win, and um, uh, I just, I just think it's more plausible. In the end, that she would she would revert from diamond form to telepathic form in order to find him and fight him, than it would be for Xavier to come out of hiding to try to fight her hand to hand. To me, that's what it all boils down to. So, um, uh, so <coughs> while it, it pains me to hear that, I mean, it pains me to do that. The, oh, the other thing I was going to say real quick was that uh, in this whole AVX thing, in the battle of of um of of the Avengers versus X-Men the Avengers went and got Xavier to fight the Phoenix force and now the Phoenix you know it ended up killing Xavier but in the end they I mean Xavier is bar none the most powerful telepath in the Marvel universe and uh so you know this one's really tough to call, but but that's the way I think it goes down too. So, ah, oh. I went on the yeah seeing this
1: is too bad. You yeah,
2: got to a final tiebreaker.
0: <laughs> tiebreaker.
2: Well, I mean, it's uh, I have to go up against Eli again, right?
0: Yes, you do. You 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 fight Eli one more time. Right. So it's one on one tiebreaker. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yep, one more time, buddy. Yeah.
0: So, uh, there we go.
1: Eli, I was saying, I was saying to Jeff that um, it's too bad that Vision went down when he did because the Vision versus uh, Professor Xavier would have been a walk in the park. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that would be a tough one. Yeah. It's just – it's really interesting how these, how these things end up kind of playing out and – uh and how mm-hmm. some people would have never gotten into the you know the final five characters to, unless they had been uh, pitted against another character. It's just it's just really interesting. So, so there you go. So so we have one more fight that we're going to talk about a little bit later tonight, and uh, which will mean we'll have one more final episode next week. Um, and uh, you know, so it will be Invisible Woman versus Professor X. Um, Good job, guys. All right. I'm going to have to drop off now so I can get out of Wi-Fi
2: range. Can you call me back in about five minutes? Sure. All right. Thanks.
0: All right. Dan. Hey, Dan, what do you think about the, about the Xavier Emma Frost fight? Yeah, I mean, it's a
4: valid reason. I mean, essentially, I think I posted that, too, uh, before I knew what the environment was. <laughs> If it was uh, Emma and Xavier in a straight, more of a uh, confined area like the Sanctum Sanctorum or something, I yeah. don't think Xavier would have had would have had a chance. But uh, in Hell's Kitchen, there's definitely it is plausible that that uh, Xavier could pull it out using only his telepathy, uh, just because Emma would have no real way to find him. Otherwise, as soon as she'd switch out of her diamond form, uh, she'd get spotted by Xavier and and the actual the plane fight would commence. Right. Yeah. So,
0: so, so it, it looks like, I mean, in terms of environment, yeah, if it had been the Sanctum Sanctorum, that that would have been, that, that really would have changed it for me. Um, but the environments in play were Limbo and the Raft and in Hell's Kitchen. Um, and I wonder if, I wonder if Emma could have done anything there. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I on, think in the but, Raft, I think the Raft I would have went, uh, raft i would have went emma
3: really oh thanks I (laughs) appreciate that appreciate you telling me that
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right we got a question oh go ahead limbo maybe even limbo too when you think about it because limbo in limbo what's going to happen is i don't i don't know what xavier hiding in limbo yeah like what's he going to do you know what i mean yeah He's gonna go hot. Like, there's demons and stuff everywhere. That's true. Right? They so, would have
0: both. They both would have been attacked. So yeah, it looks like Hell's Kitchen was the was the was the was the place. But anyway, do we have a question of the week?
1: Do tonight's question comes from the crazy cave killer? Um, what is the greatest? And in- I know we've talked about this before, uh, but I, I kind of want to talk about it again. That and there was no questions. Um <laughs> what is the, <laughs> what is the greatest comic story arc of all time? And you're not allowed to whist out here, you can only pick one. Hmm. Oh boy. All
0: right. He's... Who's uh who's typing or something? I don't know. Oh, sorry, that's me. Oh, okay.
4: Furiously, I'm, pl- I'm playing with the transformer. <laughs>
0: oh, is that what they're calling it these days? Yes, uh-huh. it's exactly. What they're <laughs> all right, who's going first here? Doesn't matter to me. Okay, I'll go. Um, no doubt the greatest story of all times, greatest story arc of all time in all of comics is the Dark Phoenix Saga. And what? here's and here's why. The Dark Phoenix Saga. First of all in terms of comic book, it's it is it's fantastic because you get you get the the best of Chris Claremont's writing of the X-Men and the best really some of the best art I've, I've ever seen in a comic book and that is from John Byrne. And uh, this this story went in so goes in so many directions. It it is it's it's seeded so slowly, and over time, you know, you start to see there are little things that happen to Jean over the course of time, and after her, her resurrection as a phoenix, and then you have the Hellfire Club part, which is just awesome, and then you throw in you know like the the, the that part that awesome. Panel that's so classic of Wolverine, who uh, you know they think is dead, they throw him in the sewer, or whatever, and and uh, and he comes back and basically just just starts destroying people, and um, you know and that that part happens almost kind of as a tangent to the the main story, but the Hellfire Club's defeat of the X Men was is just tremendous, and then you have um, the actual. Uh, dark phoenix, you know, com- coming about and then destroying the planet and then the 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 scope of the whole story takes a completely different turn and it's it's just uh, the whole shire trial and then they have to fight the imperial guard on the on the moon. I mean, it really has everything and then you have the emotion of the story um that, that you know Scott and Jean in their in their final moments and and she she gets blasted by the laser she takes herself out uh, it's it's just it's just brilliantly done and to me uh, there's just no better uh, comic book story I mean there hasn't been any better story uh, that has come out and there's been some really great stories that have come out that I've liked but none have met that epic and part of it is because it, nothing like that had been done before, and and if you think about the, the in the '80s when when that came out, and uh, you know we weren't so jaded as, as comic book fans on death and resurrection. Death actually meant something back then. Um, so to me, the weight of that story just carries um, even today. And and honestly, you look at AVX, and they're do, they're trying to do the same thing. I mean. Scott turns into the Dark Phoenix at the end of issue number 11. So it's just, they're all trying to replicate that story. And um, you could look at the movies and say that the best, one of the best, or you know, if not the best X-Men movie was the one that was the Dark Phoenix, that was based on the Dark Phoenix saga, even though it really didn't have anything to do with Dark Phoenix saga. But um, it's just a great seminal X-Men story and, and one of the best stories of all time, I think, so.
4: Wait, you thought X three was the best of the movies?
0: X two. Did I say X three? I meant X two. Or was, was it oh I'm sorry, X three happened. Okay, screw screw exactly what I just said. Uh, never mind. <laughs> X three sucked. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was singing her death at the end of, of X-Men two. So yeah, okay. okay. Thanks for calling me on that, because that was a that was a mistake. Okay. Who else?
4: All right, Dan, do you have one? Do I have one? Um, I don't know. I'd have to say the, the best story arc out of out of the bunch. Um, I don't know if this is too big in scale of a story arc, but it, I, I'd have to say it'd be Civil War. Civil War just brought so many people back to comics. And I don't even know how. I mean, it's not like it was... It's not like it really made the news or anything, like for some reason it's just when people got wind of civil war, they got back into comics. And the scale of it was just hadn't been really seen before. I don't know, I don't have much else to say. I'm I'm sure one of you guys might have Hey, guys. hey Tom.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. Here. Not really.
1: Hello. All
0: right. We may be losing Tom here. Um Eli, do you
1: have one? Uh
3: yeah. Um I didn't I didn't have too much time to think about it, but uh I'm going to go back to the Infinity Gauntlet. It's what got me into comics and it's still uh one of the the grandest, most epic uh, stories, and you—it—it it, it really developed the character of uh, Adam Warlock and Thanos, and and it's—it's just—it's it, just it's really great. And and you don't need—it's not something you need the tie-ins for. This the base Infinity Gauntlet series, uh, the the mini series of uh, six issues, um, that does it. Yeah, that's mine. That's a good one.
0: Actually, no, I would add the um, – no, you can only pick one. <laughs> no,
3: no, no. It's part of it. It's part of okay. it. It's uh, uh, It's always sold as a separate trade though. Um, I think the trade, it's called The Rebirth of Thanos, and it collects a couple of Silver Surfer issues and Thanos Quest 1 and 2. And that's where he uh, is resurrected by death because there's too much uh, – there's too many living beings in the universe. It's unbalanced. And she wants more dead people. So she brings Thanos back to life and sends him out there, and that details him going through and collecting the Infinity Gems from all of their current uh, holders and the way he he overpowers or tricks them or uh, and outsmarts them uh, to get the Infinity Gauntlet. And then Infinity Gauntlet, that trade starts with Infinity Gauntlet number one. Uh, that's when he starts to actually use the gauntlet and – uh Yeah so both, both both of those together it's pretty much the same story
0: arc all right cool. Ian.
1: um like Dan, I picked I say civil War um for all the reasons Dan said, and then a few more um i I thought it was great because it uh it totally sucked me back in the comics, and like Dan said too, I'm not really sure why or how that happened because it wasn't news. I can remember hearing about it on the news once, I think, Um, where they're talking about this Civil War series but that definitely wasn't what brought me back into the comic book store. Um, But it it really, it really did, it really did suck me back in. And and the event was huge and I found that mostly, pretty much everything I read, every every single tie-in was good. You know, there was a, there were a couple that weren't, you know, they were, they weren't very good, like Heroes for Hire, I remember, wasn't very good. Um, but other than that, they, they, they were just really great storytelling. I've never been a big Spider-Man fan, and I, I love what they did with Spider-Man during that whole Civil War arc. Uh, sort of his flip-flop, the unmasking. Yeah, that you know, was really uh, good. Yeah, it was. It was just I. I felt, I felt the series very emotional. Like it was very like I. I related well to the characters and what was happening. Um, you know, I found myself cheering for characters and. Picking aside and caring about what was happening—it was just—it uh, was a good time in comics for me. Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it, and it's one of those series that I go back and read again and again and again and again. And again. Um, which to me, you know, says it's pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, it also—it also introduced me to, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? Frontline. Um, <laughs> the, the front line series, which I thought was, they did it a few more times after that too, they did it with with uh, the scroll Invasion the Secret Invasion and a couple of World other things, but War, I thought Frontline yeah. Right, World War Hulk, it was actually pretty good for World War Hulk too um, but for Civil War I really enjoyed it, I thought it was really great, it was just cool having that civilian perspective of what was happening um, you know, so it's like in, in the way they, the way they timed it, in the way that they had the The continuity running in that, it was pretty tight, so it was good. Uh, I liked it a lot. So I think, for me, you know, and there's so many. It's not like Civil War kills everything I've ever read. It's just if I had to pick one, that's the one I'd pick. I
4: I loved in uh, Frontline when uh, Sally, that reporter, uh, the alcoholic reporter, when, when she just laid in Captain America saying how he was out of touch, he wasn't needed anymore, he wasn't... I don't know. That just—I remember that moment. I, I forget which issue it was, but I remember the moment where she just tore a strip off of Captain America. Uh, yeah. You know, he—he he just seemed so irrelevant at that moment. Moment, like he was fighting for something that, you know, that was basically totally useless. Yeah.
1: And I like—I like how they had the whole speedball stuff during through Frontline too, right? So you can yeah. follow. It's like speedball dropped off map. And then was in custody and stuff, and then you could follow that whole story through Frontline. I don't know. It was just interesting. It was a real interesting take on a big event.
0: Well, you know, the other thing is, is that 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 story started with the New Warriors. Yeah. To me, to yeah. me, that that was that was brilliant, and because that 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 Scotty Young, uh, I think it was Zeb Wells and Scotty Young who wrote the original. Hey, guys. Hey, Tom. Um, who wrote that original? Uh, new warriors miniseries that happened yeah. where they were the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where they, uh, were the reality TV and, and that was such a throwaway kind of miniseries, but Mark Millar kind of took that and turned it and made it a catalyst for the best, for really one of the best modern, uh, events. It uh, will really be the, the best event in modern time. Um, in modern times, uh, it, to me that was just amazing because I'm, I'm a huge new warriors fan i love those characters and to see them kind of be the catalyst for what started the civil war i just i love that i ate it up so yeah civil wars is is amazing so tom do you have a uh, a favorite arc or best arc uh
2: man it is a tough that is a a tough call to make um Personally, I, I would just go back to Crisis on Infinite Earth. just because in the size and scale that it was, and the uh, the impact that it had on the DC Universe, I would I would give it. I would say that that is the uh, you know it, it was a landmark series. It was a very well done story, given the size, especially given the size of it, and the fact that a crossover to that scale had never been done before. And uh, even compared to a lot of later crossovers, it's still much uh, very superior in, in a lot of regards to to even stuff that's done today. So uh, I would I would go with that one. I mean, there there are several that I could call out here, but uh, that was the thing that popped in my head.
0: Yeah, that's a good one too. You
1: know, I never I never I never never really understood that book. Like I've read it a couple of times. Yeah, and every time I read it, I guess I just don't have enough enough DC background knowledge or something like that, but every time I read it, I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, yeah. I, it, I, I... You have to be invested...
0: You have to really be invested in those characters. Um, and, I mean, I think it's a, a significant story arc it, because it was the first of its kind that kind of, uh, you know... Uh, put all of these Earths together into into one cohesive union. I mean, that just had never been done before. So, um, you know, even this new, new this new Fifty Two is basically a rehash of that. Um, so, I don't know. All right. So, um, I guess. Okay. I, uh, yeah,
2: and um, and. I would say also you had to know something about DC history and the, and the fact that how convoluted it was wow. because DC had that problem of trying to rectify the Golden Age versus uh, Silver Age characters. And how do you explain that there were, you know, there was another Green Lantern, there was another Superman and so on. And how those, those were all different. So that that led to, uh, you yeah, know, there's a lot of Lava Dian too.
0: Right. All right. Well, those are some great stories. And um, speaking of stories, and in the spirit of superheroes fighting superheroes, it is tradition here on the show for all of us to choose one fight from this week's comic that we consider to be the highlight fight of the week. Ian, give us your fight.
1: Um, for me, my fight. I have to. I have to be honest with you. I've been really disappointed not just in the fights but in the quality of comics that I've been reading in the last little while mm-hmm. um so much so that I thought I've been thinking that when we take our break after uh, after this season of the COC ends I'm going to really reevaluate what my my role as a comic book reader is because I just I'm I'm not enjoying it anymore I'm not enjoying reading the comics anymore um I have like I still have books from 3 weeks ago that I haven't read yet and wow. just cuz I just don't want to do you know what I mean like I just don't want to read them uh, and, and I'm finding it harder and harder and harder to find books that I'm enjoying anymore so I don't know what it is I don't know if it's I uh, I don't know if it's me you know what I mean I don't know if I'm just in a in a weird spot in my life or in my head and I, you know I, I don't know I don't know what it is but I'm just I'm just not I'm not getting that enjoyment so anyway I thought I'd start by saying that because uh, like it, it really comes out when I go to try and fight a fight of the week because I, I I just can't find one. You know what I mean. Yeah. So, but I, I, my fight of the week is from before Watchmen, in uh, Night Owl number three, uh, DZ book, and um, the fight is uh, it's Night Owl himself, and it's him beating up on some. He's, <clears throat> I guess he's like a pimp. Um, he's a he's a Colombian guy who who yeah I guess I guess he's a pimp. What he does is he kind of he kind of uh, tricks foreign women that are coming into the country. Into you know, prostituting themselves for him to him. You know, to, and he, he says that he'll help them not be deported and stuff like that. Well, he, he lays a beating on this guy, a really good beating on this guy. Um, but, but better, better than the fight itself is all the stuff that he says while he's fighting him. He just has, he's really, um, they, they, they've really done a nice job of portraying of the night at Owl. He's, uh, his level of confidence that he has as soon as he puts the cowl on, as soon as he puts the mask on is, is amazing in comparison to you know, his, uh, his, his other persona with his glasses and whatnot. Um, and you, you just have to read it to see the, the stuff that he says to this Colombian guy. At the end of it, he's, he's giving him these anecdotes about how, how many Americans drown in per year in less than six inches of water. And he's going on and on and on. And you don't know what he's talking about. And then all of a sudden they zoom back And he's got this Colombian pimp guy upside down, and he's got his head in the toilet. Uh, You know, he's dangling him, face into this toilet. uh, You know, threatening to drown him and stuff like that. So it was—it was a real tough guy moment. I liked it. So you know, he did—he did did do a lot of of butt kicking, but uh, it was more for, you know, how awesome he was with his words while he was doing the butt kicking for me.
2: Yeah, I liked in the previous issue when they showed that—that the fact that as a kid, his mom was his his dad beat his mom and then he was getting beaten up at school and then he gained his confidence he saw a night he saw an ad, advertisement window for a night owl mask and he bought that and basically he, he saw it as he saw as like video footage of, of night owl of the original night owl fighting and how you know, he's outnumbered out gun There's no way he could win he just wouldn't give up and as long as he gave, didn't give up he wasn't beaten and he took that attitude, and so he it, it, it's a, a nice con. It's a nice bit of continuity to show how he drew inspiration from the original Night Owl and how the Night Owl persona gives him uh, all his confidence. And you saw that in the uh, in the original series, too, when the fact that, uh, that you know, when, when he's out of costume, he's just a middle-aged, uh, blubbery guy, and then he puts on the costume and he suddenly gains all his self-confidence back. Uh, I like that in-depth bit on the character.
1: Yeah, yeah for sure.
0: Are are toilets? Do toilets really have enough water in them to drown somebody?
2: Of course. Really? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you put someone's mouth and noses into the water. Sure, as long as they can't get air. All
1: right. Okay.
0: <laughs> I just feel like if somebody was trying to drown me in the toilet, I feel like I could get out of that. Well, you could
2: flush
3: it, but then it's going to fill back up in a moment.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but you still get breath. But yeah, you'll start losing. You'll, you'll get tired and lose strength and all, and so on.
1: Yeah. All right. I don't think you could drown in my toilets. I don't think you could drown in mine. You've got. I've got shallow. These,
0: like, you have water-free toilets.
1: Yeah, they like waterless
0: slow, toilets. Slow,
3: slow, slow. Remember, yeah, r- remember, toilets.
0: he he lives in an igloo, so he goes out to like a a shed in the back. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> hole in the ice. It's just Is a that hole in the yeah, yeah. Right, and it all flows play. to the
4: states. Right, <laughs>
0: uh, probably. I'm the guy who's still wearing a toboggan on his head as <laughs> as we're talking. So, anyway, sorry, sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, uh, my fight of the week comes from Spider-Man number five, and it—I uh, mean, talk about, I, you know, did you read that, Ian? Did you read Spider-Man? you don't no, really I stop
1: I stopped buying it but I didn't like it
0: oh you didn't like it okay um, I, to me this series has been phenomenal um, I just absolutely loved every second of this book um, and uh, but but the fight is um, that and I don't have it in front of me um, but but Peter and miles and the rest of the ultimates uh, end up taking on mysterio and mysterio maybe he he might be my most favorite um spider man villain i I just love mr Yo I think he's way underutilized um and I think the fact that he's the one who's found a way to go back and forth between the ultimate universe i just think that's really cool and so uh so anyway so they fight and um uh, what's really cool is that um uh, miles goes and he jumps and and uh and and takes out uh, Mysterio and they fall through the little portal, and so for just a second, Miles Morales is in the six one six universe, and I just thought that was really really cool, and and then he pulls him back in and goes through back to the Ultimate Universe, and so um, but the whole fight was just really really cool, and um, Sarah Pacelli's art is just phenomenal, and and uh, and then the the issue ends with with Peter go uh, being back in the six one six and Googling uh, Miles Morales and finding that there is a, well, we don't know exactly what he finds, but uh, all he says is when he Googles Miles Morales, he says, oh my God. And then that's the end. And so um, uh, it's just, it's just such a cool story. And if, if whenever the ultimate universe and the 616 universe were to collide, this was the perfect way to do it. So loved it. Tom, how about you? Okay. Oh, there you are. Uh,
2: I chose. Uh, sorry, I, I had to had to run into down. Uh, I'm. Uh, I chose <laughs> Su- Superman's twelfth, and uh, the it was the fight between uh, Superman and Captain Comet. Uh, and, and I liked the way that they brought him back. Uh, into the into the uh, new fifty two, and it was the the end of the battle is very really interesting, where um. Uh, Captain Comet had been really kind of dominating Superman and, until Superman realized that there were two weaknesses. He discovered two weaknesses in Captain Comet. One was that his um, his telekinesis apparently didn't work on Superman's super st- cellular structure, which is kind of ridiculous because I mean Superman's made of the same material everyone else is. It's just denser, right? But uh, apparently uh, his telekinesis wouldn't work directly on Superman, and his telepathy. Would it be no good if he essentially did what a protector calls calls a white run, which is drop to you know, go totally on instinct, no conscious thought behind what he's doing, doing and simply um, and simply act. And so Superman just basically launches toward him and, and goes into what essentially is a white run, and, and uh, attacks him and and uh, and wears him down. And uh, that that actually brings the uh, the little girl that the comet was there to kidnap. Uh, she comes into it. She's got mental powers too, and she. She uh, ends up attacking uh, Comet and bringing him down. But then, on top of that, Lois has been critically injured, and there's no time to save her. Basically, the operation will kill her, but she has to have the operation live, so there's no, no saving her. And um, Superman basically runs to the medical library in and the, and the hospital, reads every book in the library, and then comes back and performs the surgery in super speed. So I guess he's discovered two new powers. One is uh, essentially a white run, and the other is the ability to instantly read a in library and absorb all the contents and become a super surgeon in a matter of seconds. So I kind of ran into the same problem Ian did, and that I didn't find too many quality fights. That was about the best as much I've read in the past week. Cool. All right, Eli. So.
3: Uh, I got no fight of the week. I, I, I didn't get to read any comics this week.
0: Oh man. Yeah, sad. Dan, how about you, man?
4: Uh pass for me too. I got I what? only picked up two issues, and one of them was Spider Man. Oh. So, <laughs> that would have that would have been my fight of the week. But uh, but I am reading I am reading uh, Amazing Spider Man Annual number eighteen because I just got a, a shipment of back issues in. So, uh, and in it, Spider-Man fights the Scorpion. Um, I haven't read the entire, I haven't gotten to the actual fight yet, but it's the entire second half of the book is basically just Spider-Man, uh, and Scorpion going at it. Just old school style, you know, no, no fancy tricks, no fancy, nothing, just bare bones fist fight. Um, so the art is pretty cool, and, and the fight looks pretty brutal, and I guess I can't wait to read it. So that, that's as close to a fight of
0: the week as I can get. All right. Well, there you go. That's it's. It wasn't really the best week of of comics. I, I will give you that. But um, yeah.
1: Okay. So uh, now we're on to. <laughs> We're on to the main event, which uh, I wasn't—I wasn't actually even sure there would be a main event tonight. I—I I kind of thought that uh, I thought that 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 would have been it. Yeah. So we instead, you voted have, that way. Just... <laughs>
0: <laughs> but your vote didn't didn't quite uh, go that way.
1: No, no. Uh, well, I thought you were going to vote Emma. You did. Yeah, I did. I, I did. I sure did.
0: I was um, I was close. I was close.
1: So instead we have Invisible Woman versus Professor X and this fight's in Hell's Kitchen, Jeff?
0: Yeah it is. That's what uh Tom Tom set the uh the environment as. Um I asked him before uh just in case I didn't know if we would have a fight tonight. But but this is the final fight. So we got to have a little energy yeah. here. Uh, this is the final fight, Invisible Woman versus Professor X in Hell's Kitchen.
1: So listen carefully to the podcast as all the voting rules and game information will be listed after the fight. I'm sure all of you know that already from, from listening to our podcast. But if you're new, just listen to after the, the two gentlemen give their rationales and we'll talk a little bit about how you vote and what to do there, what to do then. Mm-hmm. So the away team, so that would be Eli?
0: Eli, let's call it. The last coin toss like, of the Eli's season. Like, okay. we got? Pen,
1: a penny. Yeah. Canadian penny. So they, we have uh, the Canadian maple leaf on one side and the queen on the other.
3: Uh, maple leaf.
1: Maple leaf? All right, here we go. All uh, right, no, queen. Queen it is. So Tom – can you hear me?
2: Okay, um, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, so,
1: yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Wait, wait, hang on. Okay, are you on, are you actually on your boat right now?
2: Yes, I am on the water. We are we are uh, broadcasting from Lake Lanier in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Okay, that's all kinds of awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's pretty cool.
2: We are broadcasting from the from uh, our aquatic uh, aquatic station here. Um, so I'll go ahead and give, uh, give my rationale, and uh, and since I'm kind of not because I went in just revving, I it,
0: you're really wow. you're breaking up a lot there, buddy. <laughs> so you might not get to say your rationale.
1: You're breaking up there, Ahab. <laughs> I think it's just awesome that he's doing it from his boat, man. That's freaking wicked.
0: Oh, that would have been cool. Well, he actually just uh, he hung up. So, Eli, I guess, uh, despite his his uh, his coin toss win, you get to take the lead there, pal.
3: Okay, okay, so. Emma has fought telepaths before and I'm going to I'm going to share something with you you might not believe but she's demonstrated in the past. So first off uh she's going to go uh she knows she's got to find Xavier and she doesn't want Xavier to find her. Um so uh I'm going to have uh my girl Emma go invisible. She throws up a force field. You mean and... Sue. Crap. I'm still th- I'm still on the la- thank you Dan. <laughs>
0: I'm so hurt. i so hurt. Uh, so I have Sue. You shouldn't have insulted the guy's kid. I'm just saying.
3: No, Ian's got more integrity than that. Uh, 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 Sue, uh, my, fa- my favorite uh, uh, female uh, Marvel character, she uh, goes invisible, throws up a force field. She takes uh to the air just a bit you so she's above the, the the people and she starts moving around looking for uh xavier now um Emma uh crap i did it again <laughs> sue <laughs> sue eh, eh, her willpower uh she she has two things that can help her against telepathy her willpower number one she, she has amazing willpower uh she was able to resist resist psychoman's chemicals for for a while before uh... they 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 took over and and she became uh... Um, malice uh... there uh... and fell under his control and doom has tried to break her and has remarked that her will may may even be stronger than his yeah. and then you know uh, of course people with a strong will like magneto you know we know he doesn't need the helmet he he can withstand the telepathic attack with his willpower. Um, So that – she's got that going for her, and she has withstood telepathic uh, 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 powers from Jean Grey and her son from an alternate timeline. When he came to the 616, Psylord was trying to attack her in the same room as she was, same with Jean, and her force field prevented telepathic attack. It, her force field has prevented Cersei's matter manipulation in the past so it's not just a physical barrier um, and and this has happened in, in Marvel 616 uh, Jean uh, couldn't sense her as she approached Jean down the hallway and Jean's uh, uh, telepathy and telekinesis was completely uh, uh, um, uh, unable to get through Sue's force field and Sylord uh he was only able to get uh, to attack Sue when she uh, she she dropped her force field and then he was able to get in um but when she had her force field up he could not get through with his telepathy and he uh of, of course is franklin richards he's a ridiculously powerful uh telepath and and omega level mutant and gene is someone who probably rivals if not is more powerful than Xavier in the telepathic department as well and so uh, one advantage sue has here I mean it's a similar scenario to the last fight I know but sue has uh, one advantage in that Xavier has absolutely zero way of detecting her because she's invisible so and she can lie so nobody – he's not going to be able to look through people's minds and know when she's coming and, and to hide from her. That's a he, really good
0: point. That's a he really has good point.
3: no – absolutely no way to know where she is and when that uh, that strike is coming. She could be standing behind him, above him, uh, four feet above him, 40 feet above him. He will have no idea. And he can take over all the mines in, in the city that he wants. It won't do him a bit of good and he can't even do something crazy like have people, you know, walk around and look for her or feel around and and try and touch an invisible woman cuz she's up above them. You know, she she's going to do that because she needs to cover a lot of ground. And Xavier, you know, he, he he's got nothing. And at this point at, you know, it's it, they're both humans, so you know they, they both have the same physical needs. In, in case anyone wants to bring that up, they both need to eat and sleep. Uh, you know, so so that's not really a factor here. Um, and Xavier, you see, with with Emma, he knew he knows all of Emma's tricks inside and out. He has no way of knowing this about Sue. And yeah, he he's the most powerful telepath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's still going to be a bit of work for him to get through all of the mines in Hell's Kitchen. So, number one, he has no clue that Sue can do this. No clue. Um, and so, 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 so he's not going to to say automatically, "Uh oh," you know, she could be anywhere, so I better uh, start to protect myself from such an attack, because he will be thinking that. If once she gets close to him, he'll sense her. Just like Jean. When when Jean uh uh put a uh uh was attacking everyone in in the uh Avengers Mansion, it, it was, and these was and Jarvis and Mr. Fantastic and she kinda levitated everything and and just threw out like a broadcast telekinetic attack. And when Sue came down the hallway of this room and then and, uh attacked her, Jean's first thought was oh, oh, oh my goodness, why didn't I know you were coming? And uh, Sue didn't, you know, she didn't explain it, but she had her force field up, and Jean com- was completely telepathically blind to Sue's approach until she saw her with her eyes. And uh, Sue w- was 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 trying, and in case someone says, "Yeah, well," Sue was visible then; she'd be visible to Xavier. No, she wouldn't, because she didn't want to do anything to to Jean. She was trying to help Jean. And, and, and she obviously figured that Jean was attacking her and she was confused or scared or something, just trying to calm her down. And then once she realized that wasn't going to happen, she just put a force field around her and that was it. Jean was done. But she knows this is a fight. And so she's going invisible. She's going force field. She's going above. Uh, she's going airborne. And she will find Xavier because Xavier has no reason to worry. He can walk amongst the people. He can sit in a public area. And that's going to be his undoing because she can cover way more ground with her flight than he can cover on foot or in the telepathic, uh, telepathically looking through other people's eyes because nobody's going to see her.
0: Mm. But she can cast a shadow. She doesn't cast a shadow. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Oh, oh. (laughs) shadows. I'm just kidding. Well, I tried to get Tom back, but I think he's way too out in the uh, in the in the lake to uh, to get a signal. So, um, so yeah, that there's no there's no rebuttal for for uh, Professor X. But you know what? We've talked about Professor X so much on this show in the season, so uh, I think everybody's pretty aware of what he can do and um, and, and and all that. So. Um so do you got anything else you want to say Eli? Since you have the Well I mean
3: I uh uh since I called Tom such a gentleman earlier uh I, I you know I'll say if if you want to listen to 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 something listen to the last episode because this fight is the same environment and uh so some of the things that were said in the previous episode and recapped in the beginning of this episode apply to this fight for Xavier um because he is the same guy and it's the same environment so Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to take too much advantage while Tom's... You know, Tom's rescuing somebody on, on the lake right now. Yeah. You know? So what? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, the, the, the glare off of Xavier's bald head will just be like a beacon to her.
0: Yeah. And
3: it, it'll help her find him even easier. And then, you know, she she maintains her invisibility. She doesn't say a word. She's not playing around. She just... Uh, put, puts a force field uh, bubble around his head uh, enough to, to slowly put him to sleep, and or she puts one around his neck like a sleeper hold, like an invisible force field sleeper hold. You know, she doesn't want to hurt him. She knows he's a he's a good guy. He's a decent enough guy. She probably doesn't know about how evil he really is and how much of a of a is, and so she doesn't want to destroy him. You know, and. And she just uh, puts him down, uh, but but she puts him down. There's no question about it. And he never sees it. He never sees it. He never hears it. He has no idea until it's oh, I'm falling asleep, oh, and then it's over.
0: I, I do think that if if uh, the whole invisible force field is telepathic resistant, is if that's if that's really true, then I you know I think you gotta I think you gotta good case here against Xavier so
3: well that's what I'll take I'll take that if, if I got a good case I'll take it because I, I don't want the uh you know the the idea of Xavier so powerful it doesn't matter right right all right I know I won't get that from you guys oh of course not right, right. <laughs>
0: so you guys are above reproach yeah we are really so all right. Um well thanks Eli and uh and hopefully Tom's doing okay rescuing rescuing somebody uh from from the middle of the lake. Um, uh so thanks for that great rationale and um just rem- remember uh, everybody that um, the circumstances under which the fighters compete are that they are teleported into the respective environment on opposite ends of the environment. And so these two characters are on opposite ends of Hell's Kitchen. And the fighters have full disposal of any and all resources available in the envir- environment. And fighters are not allowed to leave the environment, um, although flying around, like uh, Eli said, is considered uh, not leaving the, the environment. So, uh, And finally, the, the winner is determined based on the fact that he or she has subdued the opponent's <laughs> fighter. So, subduing can be anything from restraining to outright... Uh, destroying and killing, so um, so here we are at the end. this is the final fight, and we hope that everyone will go to the forums and we'll continue the the debate and the discussion there. That's where uh, things happen after we record the show. So uh, uh, so next week we will be joined hopefully by everybody again and uh, we'll have our final episode of the season where we will reveal. The, uh, the the fate of of Professor X and Invisible Woman, and see who wins and who we will crown as our season two champion. So um, so so stay tuned and be sure to listen to next week's episode because it will be awesome.
1: All right. So this season we also introduced a different segment to our show, something that wasn't around in C O C Life um, season one. And we call it the C.O.C. Power Rankings. Power, Power
0: rankings. rankings. Did it a little slower there. Power rankings. <laughs> nice job. Thanks.
1: Uh, where we take it upon ourselves to rank five new characters each week in terms of who is the toughest. <laughs> if, if you would like to <laughs> submit a character to be ranked. Oh come on. He almost said it. All right. If you, if you would like to submit a character to be ranked, or just wanted to tell us how ridiculous our choices are, log in at comicattack.former.com and tell us what you think in the C.O.C. thread labeled Power Rankings.
0: Hey, did you uh, did did you rank last week's? Because you you dropped off the call. Remember? Did you rank last yeah, week's? Yeah, I did. Just... You did. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I
1: don't, I don't remember where though.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to look Oh I see. Oh, so you just you just went ahead and put Mr. Eminem right up there at the top. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well I not not at, the, not at the real uh, time. You put he put well, Mr. He's Ember. A lot like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: He's he's a lot like Jamie Braddock, except that uh he's not he's not mentally unstable. Are like you sure? Braddock.
0: Oh yeah, that
1: would be a great fight,
0: Mister Mr. Power- Mr. M versus Jamie Braddock. That would be great,
1: I think. that would be a good fight.
0: Yeah, so you put um, the, the,
1: the people. Sorry,
0: so you're gonna tell when, where where you ranked everybody?
1: Or oh, you-, you want me to? Um, yes, sir. Yeah, so I put I put uh, Mister M above Jamie Braddock um, and right above Mister Sinister as well. Uh, I think Mister M is pretty. Pretty freaking powerful. Um, I, I loved what he did in the ride at Xavier's around that time. Um, I put Hulk right below Mister Sinister, but above Doctor Doom. I could see Sinister being able to take Hulk out. Um, Doom, not so much. Um, who was it? Vulcan. I put Vulcan below Exodus, um, but above Magneto. Now that was a tough one for me. Vulcan. You know, I don't like. For me he could he could go higher or he could go lower. You know, like he's a little bit of an enigma when it comes to these kind of things. Um, where did
0: you put Black Bolt? Oh you put Black Bolt at the top.
1: Oh sorry, 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 I skipped Blackbolt. Uh yeah, I put Blackbolt way at the top. Um Blackbolt. So it goes it goes Thanos, Apocalypse, and then Black Bolt, and then Silver Surfer. Uh there was a time where I would have put Silver Surfer above Blackbolt, but Silver Surfer's recent appearances he just doesn't have any soul that he's near yeah. as tough as we used to think he was um, and for me it's more of a mental thing for him he's just he just doesn't have the head for that for it anymore now Black Bolt on the other hand uh, I've always considered Black Bolt to be you know just straight up one of the toughest people in the Marvel universe um, I think he he can go toe to toe with the Hulk Without ever even using his without ever without ever even using his voice, yeah. You know what I mean, like just just his his physical strength alone, um, and then when he put when he put the the sound stuff into it, um, yeah. yeah, he's yeah. a great character. I I would love. Uh, we need to see more Black Bolt. That's all I know. We need to see more Black Bolt. He's a really good character. Right. I've always had, I loved him. Um, and then we had uh, Blastar. His Blaster, the only. He's the only yeah. one left. I dropped him really low. Um, if I can find him,
0: he's right below Iceman and above Taskmaster.
1: Oh, there we go. I was too high. Yeah, Blaster. He's he's sometimes he's he's depicted as tough, um, like Hulk Hulk level tough, uh, and then other times you know you'll see one character put him down, no problem, so, um, I don't know, again, that might not be the best spot for him, but I just, I looked at some of the people above him, and I think, like, I think Kid Gladiator could take him out, um, I think War Machine could take him out, I think Sebastian Shaw could take him out, um, I think he's, the fact that he's he's impervious to harm, like, he's a, you know, he's one of those kind of impenetrable kind of people, makes him... That he he could take out the Taskmasters, the Spider Men, you know. Thing is a lot like him, but I think he's on a different strength level than Thing, so I put him above Thing.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. He's he's it, an, he's another one. He could go anywhere. Right. right. Um. Uh, this the the uh, this week's rankings are uh, this week's nominees. Pardon me. Are Wolverine, Venom, Mister Hyde, Skinless Man, and uh, Gentle Nesno Nesno. Adley Demi, I think is how you say his name from the uh, from the X Men. I I wanted to I tried to leave people that were fighting in our contest off of the power rankings list just so that I didn't think it was really fair for us to sit down and talk about them where we thought they should be power ranking wise and then have them fight in the contest. Um, so that's why I put Wolverine and Venom on this list because they were two people who were drafted in our contest and uh, we haven't used yet. Right. So, Jeff, do you want to go first?
0: No, no, you go first.
1: You want me to go? First? Yeah. Um. Okay. This list. Oh, this list is like. I think this list could have gone could have gone any way. Like, I think you could basically put any one of these guys at any one of these spots. Um, it's very it's it's a real toss up. So, I put Wolverine as first. Um, his experience, savage nature, you know, unbreakable claws. Um, you know, I, I think his claws could penetrate all of these guys, and uh, you know, I think he's fought tougher than this group, so I put Wolverine as first. I put Gentle as second. Um, that, that was a tough one for me. It, the fact that he's a pacifist yeah. really makes it it's what's kind of like uncertain for me, but then every time I think about him and I'm like, oh, he's a pacifist, he's a pacifist, then I also think about the times where he has fought people. Um, and and he is absolutely a force of nature. Uh, when when he you know when he hulks out when he gets into his big you know muscled state and stuff like that he's just a beast of a guy. Um, and and I think he's I think he's a pretty neat character too. I think that it, the the idea behind him is neat. For those of you that know don't know he has uh, vibranium tattoos put on his body, and they're designed to try and keep him from kind of expanding, like getting into his big hulked up form. Because supposedly, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jeff, isn't it that they figure that the more he does that, the more he hulks out, the sooner it is that he's going to die?
0: Yeah. Isn't that right? That he's
1: going to expend his energy and he's going to be gone. So I thought that was kind of neat. You know, that tattoo thing was kind of neat. But anyway, he's a big, tough hulk kind of guy who's, you know, basically impenetrable and massive class of strength and stuff like that. So I put him in second. A uh, skinless man, one of my new favorite villains. A uh, bit of a creepy guy, but he he has that. The the reason why I put him as high as I did is is I, I think he's he'd be a hard guy to kill because Wolverine or somebody like that would slice him and dice him and stuff like that, and it doesn't matter. He can apparently you know grow back body parts, and he's intangible, and he's you know flexible and all of that kind of stuff. So right. I put him as Venom. I put I put near the near the bottom. I put Venom as fourth. I think that uh, I, I like Venom now that he's with. Uh, uh, what's his name? Flash? Yeah, with Flash Thompson. Uh, I, I like Venom with Flash. It's a nice fit, but at the same time, Flash is definitely no, you know, Mark Argon or whatever his name is or any of those kind of guys. You can see, you know, Taskmaster took him down. Um, yeah. So it's a different. He's, he's a bit more stable character with Venom, so he has the Venom powers. But he didn't have the psychotic um, user. You know what I mean? The psychotic guy that he's on. So I put him a little lower. And then I put Hyde at the bottom, mostly because Hyde is a bit of an unknown. Uh, I like Hyde. I love him on Thunderbolts. I think he's a wicked character. Uh, again, a lot like a Hulk kind of character. Um, but he's just a little bit too unknown for me to put above these other guys.
0: All right. Um, I had a very similar list to yours, except for I switched out. Gentle for Hyde, and so um, of course course I put Wolverine at the top um, for all the reasons you stated, and and I you know the guy is just uh, one of the one of the best and you know hardest guys to take out, and so um, I put Mr. Hyde second because I think. His power is he's got a tremendous amount of strength, but he's also he's also brilliant as a as as mr Hyde so he's he's almost like the Hulk um not not in terms of strength level but i mean he's he's got super strength um, but he also retains his brilliance as he as he uh, becomes mr Hyde so um so, really, with that, in terms of his brute strength and, and his and his ability to kind of outthink a lot of people, I, I I put him pretty high on this list. Skinless Man is a little bit harder because he's such a new character, and really, we've only seen a handful of issues with him in Uncanny X-Force taking out Phantom X, and um, so it's really kind of hard. I mean, he's he's got the durability, he's got the muscles that, that he can kind of control, but... Uh, I think we're going to see here pretty soon that he's going to get his, um, and uh, we'll kind of see where, where that ends up. Um, I would agree with you about Venom. I don't think he has the edge that Matt Gargan or um, Eddie Brock had. Flash doesn't, but um, uh, Flash has a whole s- another different set of, of skills that I think it brings to the Venom table, but... Um, but in terms of where he is right now, I, I would put him uh, a little bit lower. And like you said, Taskmaster took him out pretty easily uh, in Secret Avengers. So, And I would put Gentle last because, number one, because of his vulnerability that you mentioned uh, in terms of his powers kind of killing him. Oh, wait. Is that right? Is his powers killing him? Did I yeah. make that up? Yeah, okay. So there's that. But then also, um, he is a pa- – um, I don't think he is a pacifist. I think you're thinking of the other guy who turns into the armor. No, no. Or is, is – No, they he... both are. Oh, both of them? Okay. Well
1: um... – Yeah. Don't you remember Nesno, um he went back to Wakanda?
0: Yes, yes, yes. And... Okay.
1: Because okay. he's, he's a Muslim, right? And he's, he's all against the X-Men's philosophy of fighting and stuff like that. See,
0: I thought that was the purple guy, the purple kid – um, no he went back to in from India. In, Indra, right. And I thought that was his story or, or are they just that similar?
1: Yeah, they're they're just similar.
0: Oh, okay. So, um so while I do think he's powerful, um I don't think he could take out Mr. Hyde in terms of strength and in terms of uh gentle's experience, he's not uh he's just not he's just not as experienced and so we've kind of ranked all of these new x-men kids a little bit lower because of their lack of experience and i think uh really his is even less than um than some of the other new x-men really i mean we're not really think about it and plus his name is frickin' gentle what a stupid name <laughs> for for for, a, for an x-man i mean that is just his name is Gentle. I, I just don't. I don't get it. So, uh, so there you go. That's, those are mine. Um, Tom's not here, but D, uh, Dan, do you want to go? Dan,
4: are you there? Yeah. Sorry, I was muted. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, sure, I'll go. Uh, I don't know. I don't know much about basically three of these guys but uh yeah I'll rank Wolverine first uh for all the reasons mentioned I mean his experience is indestructibility basically uh puts him right there at the top Uh I'd have to put This is a bit tough cuz I don't I don't know much about Skinless man uh I only saw him the one time in uncanny X Force that's that was that that creepy guy from that that really uh crappy other world arc, right? Yes. Okay. Uh so so his power is what he can
0: he can he move can... his muscles around like like uh he's his his original abilities where he could control his skin like like the character's skin Really, mm-hmm. um, but that got all ripped off, and Phantom X used the skin as bullets, and so now he can move his muscles in that way. Oh, it's he's kind of like
1: Reed Richards, yeah, except that is it's his the actual flesh,
0: and he's got a powdered wig. Flame. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, so uh, I'd have to put uh, either hide or Gentle. I'd have to hide, hide's cooler than gentle. So I'll put him second. I'll put hide second, um, followed by skinless man. Uh, cause he does sound a bit, you were saying he can, if something gets cut off, he can probably regen- regenerate, it or something. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it probably makes him harder to take down. So I'll put skinless man, uh, third, uh, followed by venom. Uh, for all the reasons mentioned, I I don't think he's as, uh, you know, he doesn't have the edge because he's not psychotic, but he is a soldier, uh, which means he's not adverse to killing someone if he has to. So, you know, he doesn't have a psychotic edge, but it's not like he, he won't kill someone. Um, uh, That military experience combined with his uh, symbiote makes him pretty... Pretty dangerous. Yeah, it's not like like Flash is you know a total idiot in a fight either, so he can handle his own. Uh, and then last would be Gentle uh, again for the reasons mentioned because his his name is really lame, and uh, <laughs> he's got. <laughs> I, I I haven't read much of the. What was he in New X Men or? Yeah,
0: yeah. New X Men. Yeah,
4: it was New X Men at a time. Uh, he's the one that his tattoos start glowing and stuff when he hulks out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I'd, I'd never really caught on what his deal was. But if you say he's part, like, he's, he's a pacifist, basically. I think he'd be beaten pretty much easily by any four of those guys on the list. So, yeah, he's last. So, there you go. Wolverine, hide, skinless man, Phantom, gentle. Awesome. Eli.
3: Um... All right, mine is I put Venom first
4: because wow. I figured
3: I perhaps I, I mean I quit reading this new series. Perhaps he's a lot lamer than I was thinking, but I figured that the symbiote could could uh, do a lot of damage. I know he's not as crazy as he was with with Gargan, but um, uh, Flash is a soldier and he did uh, he did pretty uh, decently in the uh, Carnage series. So I got Wolverine second. Because I think he could take out all, all the other three on the list. I got Hyde, third. Uh, he looked pretty good. Hyde, Skinless Man, and Gentle, though, aside from the recent Uncanny X-Force issues, I have never read anything with them in it. So I just looked real quick on the Marvel uh, database. Skinless Man seems pretty lame compared mm-hmm. to Hyde, Wolverine, and Venom. So, but not nearly as lame as Gentle, <laughs> whose name in Russian, according to the Marvel database, means tenderness. And and this guy, uh, apparently he can only hulk out and use his, his super strength for a few moments at a time. And then he's he's really weak after that or he goes back to the normal after that. It sounds even lamer than strong guy, than Guido. All right, so uh, Gentle is, is last on this list, but I think he should be super Super low on the other list, because I mean, <laughs> what, what, what? So he hulks out and he try and he just tries to smash, right? And then Wolverine, for example, uh, just jumps around and, and avoids him, and then he gets all wimpy again, and then he just gets owned.
0: Yeah. So, pretty much, pretty much. All right. So, um, so in the overall rankings, um, well. The numeric rankings, uh, Wolverine gets a, a, a pretty resounding 19 points, and so gets the gets the top spot, followed by Hyde with 12 points. Uh, Ty with Venom and Skinless Man at 11, and then Gentle with only 7 points. So um, I'm going to rank these guys. Uh, I'm going to put Wolverine... Uh, I personally think that Wolverine could take out Namor. Am, am, am I? Oh my goodness! Am I? Am I off base there? I think the guy could 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 beat could beat Namor, and uh, but but I don't think um, uh, you know it, because it's been shown time and time again that Rachel Summers knows Wolverine's mental ability, and so I'm I'm putting uh, him between Rachel Summers and Namor there. Um
1: every time Wolverine and Neymar fought Neymar's beat the piss out of him.
0: Oh, has he? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then I will I was putting him um Well, then I definitely think that he could he could beat uh he could beat She-Hulk.
1: Right? You'd be putting him way higher than I would.
0: Really? Oh, he's got to yeah. go over. He's got to go over um Sim and he's got to go over Colossus. Um, there's just, there's just no way. So, um, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I go way, way lower.
1: Like way Way lower. lower. I go. Well, so you have, you have invisible woman. Okay. And I think invisible woman beats him. Emma Frost. I think Emma Frost beats him. Psylocke. Maybe. I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't, Uh, I think he could beat Psylocke. But the problem is is then you have Polaris right, and I think Polaris can beat him um choir Quinnt choir did beat him oh, right okay.
0: yeah that's true,
1: so like that's that's my whole like you know what I would do honestly to tell you the truth, I think I'd put him below Quinton choir oh wow or or maybe above choir maybe above Quint choir, I don't know but some it like I don't know somewhere in that Emma Frost range like. But then I'm looking at a list, and
0: I'm looking at at Romulus, and he's beaten Romulus. Um, There's no way he beats Mo – I mean, there's no way that Mojo beats him. There's no way. You think? There's no way that who? Mojo? That Modoc? No, Mojo.
1: Yeah, I think Mojo beats him. Really? Uh, um, I think all those guys beat him. You think all those guys beat him? Romulus beat him for years. Well, you, you, uh, it's okay. up to you, though. You. Um, but I mean, like you look at Miss, he's not going to beat Miss Marvel, right? He's not going to beat Captain Brenton.
0: What did I? Vote? Hey, hey, Eli, did I vote for Wolverine against Sue, or did I vote Sue? Do you remember? Um,
3: I'm not sure. Let me. Uh, let me see if I have it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, let me let, I'll come back to Wolverine in just a second. Um while you You step- voted Sue. I voted Sue, really. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Well, that's the answer then. So, um well, I put these other guys way down the list and I put Hyde underneath Luke Cage because it has been known that Luke Cage has punched out Hyde. Um so uh yes. so I put him way down here and I put Skinless Man and Venom also uh right there with him, so underneath Luke Cage, but above Strong Guy, and uh, and I put Gentle, I, honestly, I put Gentle underneath Anoli, um, because honestly, I don't think Gentle has the experience that even his fellow students has, um, he's only been on one or two uh, missions, he's only, he's only done, he's done very little, so, so that's where I'd put him. So, um, so back to Wolverine, I'll, you're right. Um, I forgot about the Quentin choir stuff. Um, and he, he really did show Wolverine that, uh, that he could, that he could really take him out pretty easily. So I put Wolverine above justice and under Quentin choir. So, so there you go. So that's the power ranking for this week. All right, so thanks everyone for listening to episode number forty-eight of C.O.C. Live. Um, <laughs> Tom just said that he's he's towing the guy back now. So, um, but uh, you can go to comicattack.former.com under C.O.C. to vote for who you think is most deserving to win tonight's fight. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, add them to the Ask the COCers thread on the forum. We need more questions. Uh, And we'd love to have a backlog so that when we start season three, we would have lots of questions. Um, So be sure to, to, to uh, post in the fight thread on who you think would win between Sue Richards and professor X. And also look for us on Twitter at C O C podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash C O C podcast. Subscribe in iTunes and write us a review and check out our newest affiliate ComicRelated.com, who is posting contest champions from here on out, along with some other great podcasts like Tales from the Water Cooler and Discussions with Decapitated Dan. And also just wanted to um, also throw a plug in there for uh, the the ComicAttack.net quarter bin podcast which is a quarterly podcast that all of us who get on all these different shows uh, jump in, and we should be recording one of those in October. So stay tuned, and while we're kind of on our hiatus from the COC podcast, uh, you can have that to look forward to.
1: Yeah, don't awesome. worry. You can get your, uh, your Canadian Cave Killer X through the through the
0: <laughs> Exactly. Exactly.
1: Um so we record every Sunday evening at 9 uh for the at least until next week. Yeah. Um so be sure to get your votes in before then. Uh after some top-notch editing work by Jeff, the fights posted ready for listening the following Tuesday. Thanks again to our great competitors to uh, Tom who's somewhere braving the high seas. Um, <laughs> Eli, the the, uh, the very disappointed Eli. And uh, our special guest, Dan Rand and my co host, Father Jeff Jackson. Thank you. And uh, most of all, thanks to all the listeners out there um, who make the so great. Uh, have a great week. Toboggins rule! They're tubes.
0: <laughs> uh, let's get ready to rumble!
3: Like if you're, if you're using it for, for – if, it's, if it, you're wearing it while you're doing the sport, then that, it changes, right?
1: <laughs> I love Americans.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm looking up toboggan. Toboggan hat. It's here on Google. D- does the toque have to have the ears, the ear flaps?
3: No.
4: <laughs> it's
0: okay, good. okay.
3: Because you see, if, if, if you were hardcore in South Florida, you pulled it down so low, it came like right to the top of your eyes and covered Yeah, but
4: why would you wear it in Florida? It's meant to keep your head warm. Because you because we have like
3: down there two too. weeks of oh, we have two weeks of winter and it makes you look hard.
4: Winter. It makes you look hard. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, Florida was, winter is like it's it's like,
3: like forty
4: degrees. Okay,
3: forty yeah, degrees. A, a, is winter.
4: A Canada winter is minus forty degrees. So what's your point?
3: i I'm, They're I'm, both I'm cold. In, you have to understand. It's it's Florida. 40 centric like winter awful. when I talk about winter. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I won't know, say it winter again. Out in Miami, there there was like some year that's in record books the one year they got snow in Miami.
3: Seventy nine, the year I was born.
2: <laughs> hey, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get we yep. get like one snowstorm a year. You generally or maybe an ice storm, and it's it's yeah, every ten years or so we'll get like a foot of snow, and it'll be like a serious snowstorm. But yeah, then we get, get
4: then we two. get fucked because the price of oranges goes right through the roof. <laughs> Sorry.
3: I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. The, the 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 day laborers can only work. It's, you know, it, we're not used to forty degrees down here. We don't know what to do when it snows.
1: Oh. Hey Dan, yeah. Out, yeah. Out. Eli wears a Eli wears a toque, and he says it makes him look hard. So what he's saying is, when he wants to look tough, he tries to look Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 a quick one, Ian. You're quick. Yeah, I'll give you
3: that. I'll give you. I'll give you that. But not with the gay, uh, the gay strings on it. No, no. How do you? That's, how do you that's sp- like 50 long stockings or something. How do you spell toque?
0: T-U-Q-U-E. Toque T-U-Q like that. Yep. Okay, I'm looking up what what that is.
3: That looks like somebody misspelled torque.
0: No, it's because it's
4: French for tick.
3: It's French. Wait. You mean toque is how you say it in French?
0: Oh yeah. Okay.
3: So what's it French for? Hat? No,
4: yeah, it's just tuk. It's okay, tuk. okay. <laughs> it's it not is French for anything. It's just a French word for toque.
0: <laughs> a toque knit cap or beanie, also variously known as knit hat toboggan in the southern U.S.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Telling you, burglar beanie, Cora cap or stocking cap, among other names, is a knitted cap originally of wool. Though now often of synthetic fibers. Okay,
4: keep your head warm. <laughs>
0: you know what? I I wore mine tonight when I drove
3: home because I, I had my sunroof <gasps> open and my windows down, and it was it was getting cool. It was maybe down into the high fifties. The Wikipedia page has
0: has you two The Edge, wearing a toque, or toboggan, or knit hat. No mention
3: of Scully. I need to, I need no, to edit yeah, that yeah, no. entry.
0: Yeah, you should.
3: And that, that oh, was South that, Florida
1: flavor. How do people down southern the southern United States even know what a toboggan is? Like what do you need a toboggan for down there?
3: <laughs> hey, <laughs> what we, to, we, we, we to wear we saw on that your that head. To wear on your head.
0: Jamaican bobsled team, baby. We don't know what a to, real toboggan is. The only reference we have for a toboggan is what you wear on your head. You can um, do you hit actually, us in the uh, face uh, with one is, and we okay, hold on. I you was got- literally I was probably twenty years old before I knew that a toboggan was not a hat.
1: Okay, so you okay, – so I, I just picked serious. up on this. I'm really slow here, so I just picked up on this. So what you're saying is you actually call what I'm wearing on my head right now a toboggan? Yes. Because yes. a toboggan's like a giant slate. It's like six feet long, right? Made of that, wood. That, well, that's
3: Ian, – Ian, that's a very common thing for, for people. Like, like a lot of times when I'm wearing my skelly, people will, will ask me why I'm wearing a, a, a toboggan or a beanie, <laughs> But people yeah. call it a toboggan.
4: They do. they do. They do. And, and Wikipedia just, just confirmed it. Uh, yeah, but Americans probably wrote in the Wikipedia article, so.
0: Well, yeah. right, because in the southern United States, we do call it a toboggan. But I'm fixing why? Right in that Wikipedia article. Well, you
1: know why? It's probably because they went up and visited somebody in Canada, and they were, it was in the winter, and they were going for a toboggan ride, actually on a real wooden toboggan. And they said, hey, what's that called? And they said, toboggan. But they thought that they were talking about the thing on their head. And it's like this big miscommunication <laughs> or something. Yeah, probably. No, oh, you know they just You're like, probably right. They just
4: like the word. So they, you know, applied <laughs> it to something that they wear. Because
0: when we say took, it means I'm going to take something from you.
1: It's not took. Well, it's
3: took. It's took. It's took. 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 What is it in French? Say it in French, Brand. Took. Okay, it's took.
1: That's French, though. That's
3: French. Is that Fat Rock the Leaper French?
4: (laughs) (laughs) It is le tuc. Alors.
0: It's actually it's actually funny that you that we bring this up because um I remember when I was my two best friends when I was in middle school were both from even though they lived in in Georgia at that point they had grown up in the Northeast United States and they made fun of me for calling it a toboggan too. So, <laughs> Hey, I can't, they got yeah, Scully I can't in
1: wait there. To tell the, I can't wait to tell the kids in my class that tomorrow.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Guess what Americans call these. <laughs> hey,
3: hey, 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 Ian, uh, 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 you, a little bit more if, if you want. I got pulled over one day for speeding and it's it's like spring, so it's like 75 degrees down there in Miami. And, a, and the cop walks up and I'm wearing a, a blue one and my little brother is in the car. He's wearing some funky tie-dye one or whatever and he grilled me for like fifteen minutes about gang affiliations. Yeah.
1: Cause ghost killer, 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 cause ghost fees killer, cause ghost killer.